Hey guys, if you are a creative, a marketer, or a coach, you might have wondered if paid ads were a good investment for your brand. That's why I decided to invite as a guest, Cynthia Sandoval, a paid ad specialist and digital marketing consultant who's going to give a honest opinion about paid ads. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to The Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Erica Peter, content marketing specialist, journalist, and founder of The Grind. So The Grind is a platform dedicated to millennial creatives, marketers, and coaches. If you want to understand how to build a successful business, make sure you subscribe. Every week, I will interview successful entrepreneurs and I will give you marketing tips. So welcome to the family. Hello, Cynthia. Welcome to the Millennial Grinders podcast. Thank you for being here. Hi, Erica. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Well, I'm super excited to have you here, actually. You know, I've wanted to interview someone who specializes in digital ads for a while. So thank you, Clubhouse, for this. <laughs> yeah, we connected through Clubhouse. Well, I'm curious. I know you're supposed to ask me the questions, but why were you interested in, in um, interviewing a digital ads person? Because I believe that's something that people don't quite understand or master. I mean, we're going to dig deeper in it later on. But one of the things that I noticed is that lately people have been, you know, talking more about organic marketing and they give more value to it. And, you know, personally, as you know, I used to work as a director of content in a marketing agency and I know the value of both. Um, but still in the agency, you know, I was mainly taking care of content, you know, meaning building content strategy campaigns and influencer marketing campaigns. So I wasn't taking care of paid ads. You know, I had a team for that. So that's why I wanted to talk about it with someone who masters it. And I think you're, you're just the right person for it uh, because you have an impressive background and I can't wait to dive in. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I'd love to help you clear that up. I think a lot of people get really caught up in the reporting and the numbers and measuring results. Uh, but at the end of the day, data is only is uh, it, it's the context of the data. It's the story that you tell with the data. It's uh, understanding your overall business and where your results really play in that. And um, I'm here to help you clear that up. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Um, but before talking about all that, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Sure. Well, my name is Cynthia. I am a digital advertising strategist. I am the founder of a boutique consultancy uh, called Cynthia's Marketing. I manage mainly e-commerce accounts as well as some online educational accounts. Uh, and basically what I do is I use advertising, specifically Google ads and Facebook ads, to scale these businesses um, and ideally build their brand and scale their revenue. That's overall the goal. Uh, with my overall consultancy. Thank you for this introduction. So your story is really interesting, actually. Um, so you've worked for Damon John from Shark Tank. You brought million in revenue for his brand, but also brands like Capital One, Atkins and more. And, you know, like you've been running your business for four years now. So how did you get where you are today? That oh man, I like I wouldn't even know where to start because it, it's a long story overall. I actually started. I tell people I'm a creative turned advertiser, and uh, I guess the two go hand in hand. But originally, um, I started off as a photographer in high school. That was like my favorite class. That was the only class I was pretty much good at. Like I excelled in all of my art classes, and photography was something super special to me, just because of the whole process. Uh, back then, we were actually using the darkroom still. 
but the whole point of photography, which makes me, I think I, I take certain skills and transfer them onto advertising. Now it's like being able to assess, look at, look at, um, you might see like a trash can, right? Or you might see a New York uh, corner, but I might see, uh, you know, the light beautifully glistening on this one uh, cockroach or something like that. And it's a beautiful photo in black and white, you know, like I'm able to, I have a, I guess, you know, they call it like you have a good eye for things. And um, so I started off as a creative, as a wedding photographer. I, I hosted like a couple of like gallery shows and things like that. Um, I wanted to become like a photojournalist actually. And I realized there's no money in that. And so I started uh, thinking of ways to market like my overall like wedding photography business. And then I stumbled on uh, Google advertising and Facebook ads. Um, and I also look into Bing, looked into Bing and things like that in order to run ads, right? And uh, I kind of went down this rabbit hole and I found out that this is something that I'm really interested in. And it can get very technical when you go on the Google ads part. It's, you know, there's a lot of moving parts there. Um, but I liked it. And there's a certain neuroticism that goes behind uh, looking at an account, adjusting bids, uh, monitoring keywords. And then, you know, with Facebook, monitoring certain ad sets and constantly testing, there's a certain neuroticism that I've always had. Like I'm the type of person that I constantly need to be doing something and ads were a great fit for that. And so I, I started working at an advertising agency. I picked up a job working at as an intern and then I quickly rose up the ranks and I ended up becoming the agency's like go-to Facebook person. From there, I freelanced for some time. I found a really great opportunity uh, working or a job opening with Damon John and I'm like a huge Shark Tank fan. And so I saw that opportunity and I was like, that's mine. And I, um, hustled and I got that position as a marketing manager for Damon John's agency, the Shark Group. And from there, we managed all of uh, Damon's digital products, all of his online courses, and also some of his other clients um, within his agency that he managed. And um, it was a lot of fun, a lot of grinding. I mean, in the world of advertising, or specifically what makes me a unique advertiser is that I've been exposed to many different um, all of the marketing departments, right? As a, as a marketing manager and eventually marketing director, I, I'm looking, I'm overseeing everything. Um, but once I branched off onto my own again, um, I really anchored my services in digital advertising. And when I offer and I talk about advertising, I'm really talking about marketing. I'm talking about the art of advertising, um, but using these platforms to scale everything that, that uh, to scale your current efforts. But at the end of the day, what people don't understand, if the product's no good, the marketing is not going to save it. So I spend a lot of my time consulting my clients and fixing, you know, we hear the word funnels nowadays, you know, adjusting these overall funnels so that our advertising is effective, so that we can position our, our uh, so that I can position my clients in a sea of advertisers and really dominate that specific niche. You know, I'm constantly going back to marketing fundamentals, like the, the art of positioning, truly positioning and differentiating in the market. Um, so where I'm different is that I don't just get caught up in the technicals of the platform, which are extremely, extremely, extremely important. Uh, but I like to take a very holistic approach when you mentioned, uh, the importance of, of organic and also advertising. I, I stress that a lot. Mm -hmm. So just to continue with your story a bit, what led you to go freelance? Yeah. I mean, I was taught in the school of hard knocks, right? 
mm-hmm. I went to I went to college. I, I have a, a communications degree, but that doesn't really mean much nowadays. Um, I don't know. I don't think it ever really meant much, to be honest. We'll keep that between mm-hmm. you and me. But <laughs> uh, I went to school for communications, and I graduated, and um, I learned everything on my own. I think that the most skilled marketers nowadays especially in this realm of digital advertising, they're all self-taught. I think it's like a lot of trial and error. Um, And then, you know, on top of the trial and error and actually building the experience and working on like both small accounts and enterprise level accounts and then marketing for yourself, which is a whole different animal. um, The additional component is really mastering the craft by becoming a student of the craft. So that's really what I dedicate a lot of my time to is like becoming a student of the craft because, you know, with the clients that I work with, I'm, I'm, I'm more or less, I have a small amount of clients, so I'm more or less in the same accounts on a daily basis. So what I do a lot nowadays is, um, try and audit different accounts and expose myself to different ways of, uh, there's so many different ways to do one thing. There's so many different strategies to scale account within Facebook and so many different business models. So just exposing yourself to all of it and then, you know, reading up and studying the fundamentals of marketing and advertising as a whole. It's pretty simple. I saw how much money I was making them and I was like, I want to do that on my own. <laughs> I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's a lot of money. You know, a million plus is a lot of money. I want to do that on my own. <laughs> and I took the leap. Which makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you decided to become a freelancer, that's one, but getting in front of your target audience is something else. How did you market yourself for your ideal clients to find you? It's a similar process. So I do want to differentiate the difference between a freelancer and a business owner. So mm-hmm. there was a time where I was a freelancer, where I was, you know, the client kind of dictated the work for me. When I went to sleep, my business was done. You know, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't working for me, things like that. As a business owner, you have employees. So I do have an assistant. I do have an additional media buyer. I offload work onto them so that when I'm out of the picture, the 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 wheels are still churning. I don't think that's that's a phrase, but I just made it one. But the things the gears are still moving, whatever. Things are still happening even if I'm not on an account, whatever the case is. So to get to up to that point, um you do need to, we were talking about marketing, so you have to market your business effectively. So for me, a big component of how I scale my business is uh, speaking engagements, building my personal brands, putting out content. Content is absolutely crucial in today's day and age, especially if you want to be recognized as a thought leader. And, you know, like, let's take it a step above content. The very similar process to what I do with my clients is like, how do we uniquely position ourselves in a sea of other marketers? You know, like, how do we take a stand when everyone's zigging, how do we zag? So for me, I talk a lot about this holistic approach to uh, performance marketing. I talk about it in a way that's like you mentioned before that it's uh, kind of hard to understand. It can be really convoluted. I try and break it down in terms that anyone can understand. You know, I try and bring it down to earth. I democratize it in a way. Um, And I, like I said, I talk about this very holistic approach to performance marketing as a whole. So that's my differentiating factor. And that's how I go about marketing myself all the way from the ground up is first positioning myself and then creating content and just kind of keep doing it in interviews like this as well to build authority. Of course. (laughs) Well, you know, I was thinking about something as you were talking, actually. It's the fact that, you know, when you're launching a business, 
it's not as idealistic as they show it in movies. Um, you know, new entrepreneurs, they make a lot of mistakes. And I'd like to know which mistakes did you make in the first year of running your business that you'd like to share so people wouldn't make the same ones? <laughs> Too many. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's pick three. Um, well, just to touch really briefly on the topic of marketing yourself, and, and you just spoke about growing your business in a slow and steady way. I think it does take a lot of time. Um, and one way you really build it effectively is by, you know, doing good work. And that's something that people don't talk about, uh, especially marketers in my space, performance-based marketers, where we're, we're talking about hacks. We're talking about, uh, you know, like this one hack on Facebook ads in order to 3X your business or whatever. Um, the, the best way to build your business is through doing good work and having something to show for it. And for me, it's specifically case studies, testimonials, video testimonials from my clients, having them leave recommendations for me, even asking them little things for referrals. Like, can you give me, you know, we, we completed X amount of work client. I know you're super happy. I would love it if you can refer me to two other people, you know, like little things like that. And if you want to take it a step further, cause I know a lot of your, um, your current uh, listeners are, are coaches and, and marketers in the space. Taking that a step further, if you're ever going to launch ads, like if you want to, first off, advertising is a scaling technique. It's a scaling tactic rather. And what you can use is, you know, that's great content for to use for advertising, video ads, you know, like um, actual case studies to use as advertising, both for organic and for advertising and essentially boosting it and, and kind of demonstrating or, or showing that message to the right person at the right time. Um, so just just touching that, um, briefly touching on the marketing aspect. And then you had mentioned uh, how did I... I'm sorry, I kind of missed the question. I kind of dabbled back into marketing. <laughs> so it was about the mistakes that you've made in the beginning stage of your entrepreneurial journey that you'd like to share so people don't make the same ones. That I guess that's one of them, like not showing your results, not marketing your results. Um, not marketing your results. I think another one is, uh, well, it adds to that, like doing work in a vacuum. So not creating content. And showing the world what you're capable of, uh, letting the world know what it is you do, um, building up that credibility with case studies and things like that. Um, another a big mistake that I didn't do early on is like treat myself as a business. I think that I kind of was really overwhelmed with a lot of the administrative stuff and developing processes. Like for example, with managing accounts, we have to have a lot of processes in place in order to do like daily optimizations versus monthly optimizations, all depending on the amount of spend um, that you, you're spending in an account. And um, I didn't really have any processes in, in, in place for that. I kind of just winged it. And what I do now is like I offload a lot of my administrative tasks to an assistant. So don't be afraid to hire, you know, so I guess starting off like a VA, I, I don't like VAs personally. Like I, I like them for certain things, but I just like having someone, um, uh, just someone a little bit more reliable for me and that works in my time zone um, to offload all the work that I don't want to do, like reporting and things like that. Um, building standard operating procedures and then, you know, kind of onboarding new people to help out. That's, that's really important. That's something I wish I did a little bit earlier on, but I was kind of scared to take that risk financially. Um, mm -hmm. 
but in the long run, it, it, it paid uh, times 10. So that's the biggest mistake, not actually offloading work and just taking everything on and not asking for help too, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, you were talking about the fact that people should brand themselves and show their results. And I feel like everybody knows that, but they're not doing it because, you know, some people are introverted. Some people are shy. Some people don't like to be the face of their company. What would you like to tell them? I think a lot of times we have this stupid nagging voice in the back of our head that says like, oh, you know, so what? Or like some kind of limiting belief that that kind of prevents us to putting out content like, oh, I don't really know that much or like, you know, um, oh, this is not really that interesting or like, oh, what if this is incorrect? Um, and you kind of have to tell that voice to, to, to shut up because here's a harsh reality that my business coach actually told me. And it hit me pretty hard in the gut. And it's people that there are people that know less doing more. So you need to not be afraid to screw up as often and just show the work, whether or not it's received is like, it's all a reps game. Um, showing your work is the only way you can get yourself out there and talking about the work and talking about um, your unique perspective on the work. These are that that's the only way that you can kind of step outside of your bubble. If you want different things, if you want to scale your business, if you want to, you know, um, if you want completely different results in terms of revenue, well, you have to do completely different things. You have to step outside of your comfort zone and that's the name of the game. And it's a little harsh, but it's just reality. And it took me some time to come to terms with that. Even now I have a hard time being consistent with content, but I, I still try, I try my absolute best to show up, but even still, like, I hear that voice too. And for me, that's an indication that I have to do it regardless and go full force. So, and best believe you're going to get people that um, have something to say, you know, like, oh, those are not really impressive results really. Or like, that's kind of basic, that's beginner. And um, truth is, if anyone takes the time to go out of their day to make a comment like that, like they're really not that important. They're not your target audience anyways. So you have to really internalize this, that people that know less are doing more. So time to hustle. I love it. And honestly, I believe that everybody has to deal with imposter syndrome. And, you know, personally, I see it as a challenge because it always happens when I'm facing a new challenge that I have to overcome. So I love your words and thank you for sharing that. So let's talk about the topic, paid ads. So like I was saying earlier, lately I've noticed a trend on social media. Um, how can I say it? I'm going to call it the organic only trend. You know, people have been saying that paid ads are not necessary and that anyone can grow a brand without it. So I would like your take on it. And I'd like you to explain who are paid ads for and if they are necessary or not. That's a pretty uh, hot seat you put me in there. Um, our job as marketers is to build trust, right? And ads may play a part in that and ads may not play a part of that. I've seen uh, strategies in which people employ ads and it doesn't seem like something that's going to build a lot of trust or they don't do enough they don't do enough building trust on their own. And so when they immediately run for ads to get some kind of direct to sell response, you know, it, it it's a little bit off-putting for the end user. So you really need to be intentional on how you're using ads and how you're building that relationship with the end user. You also need to be intentional of like profit, you know, 
um, how much is whatever you're selling? Like, what's the overall price point? If uh, you need to understand, so like if you you're selling um, some kind of coaching program for five thousand, you know, obviously it's going to be really profitable if you get leads in. Um, and you have a pretty high close rate at like $50 CPA cost per acquisition. You know, you just need to be cognizant of these numbers and you have to be able to understand what's profitable and not profitable for you. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very layered question and the answer is always, it depends. Um, if you're a coach, you should focus a lot of time building trust and, if you have that component down and you do a great job with the branding aspect of it, people will trust you and people will trust your brand so that when you run ads, say maybe to your course, it will be received well, especially in the type of people that you're targeting and especially in the kind of creative in which you're showing to them. Maybe you know, you're know you actually showing user-generated content, user testimonials that, that all automatically say like, this is a great product and you should trust it. And here's the proof. You're going straight to the point and you're building that trust. You know, it, I don't know if it really depends on the creative and who you're targeting. Like if you're, if you're that same case scenario, right. And instead of user generated content, you're going like a direct to sell ad that says, you know, like buy now, uh, offer ends in two days, whatever, just straight like that. You know, I don't, it's kind of off-putting in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think there's diminishing returns there. So you need to be really intentional in how you use ads to say that ads won't work for you is just, I don't, I mean, this is kind of harsh. It just shows some kind of ignorance and to say that it, it will a hundred percent, no matter what you do is also ignorant. Like you just need to be able to work it into your overall quote unquote, people say funnel a lot, but funnel means just basically your user journey um, where people come from, the, the path that people take from awareness all the way to completing that conversion action. Um, and ads might play a part into that, test. Ads may play a great part into that, but you have to test and test and see. And in order for you to test, I would say that you need to make a certain revenue point for it to be profitable. And you can say, okay, I can allocate a certain percentage of my profit to ads now. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does. And I've been thinking a lot about creative as you were talking and, you know, like most of them are in the situation where they are mostly in B2B, you know, and um, they're trying to get clients. Um, are there any situation where paid ads can be a good strategy for them to find clients? It's not common. If you're going like if the scenario is if you're an illustrator and you're looking to get clients in that in that way, you would probably be better off spending your time because your time is money. You know, you'd probably be spending off using your efforts in advertising on some kind of uh, like Behance, updating your portfolio on Behance and looking to get um, more reach on Instagram and putting out content organically on Instagram. Um, however, let's say you're a coach, right? I have the, I'm actually running ads for my business coach. Um, his name is Terry Rice and he's a business coach. He's a business consultant. Um, he was featured in, he's a frequent contri contributor for entrepreneur magazine. Uh, previously worked at Facebook. He's, he's an awesome guy in every way, shape or form. And he's a coach, but he's not necessarily promoting his services as a coach through advertising. Specifically, we're testing Facebook advertising. 
what he's doing is selling his course through advertising. So I would say if you have a unique product specifically, that's where advertising becomes very effective. Like Facebook ads is a direct-to-consumer type of platform. Same with Google. Google is a direct-to-consumer. I mean, it could be B2B, um, but in this case, when you're playing so small, it, you're gonna it would be a much better use of your time to go organic. But like I said, if, if there's profit, that's when you can scale. You know, for with me, when I'm working with my clients, I work with clients who have budgets like uh, right now, like Q4 was a really big, a big time for us because I work in uh, the DTC space. Um, but right now, Q1, we're spending around 300K per month with all the clients combined. And um, with with that being said, it's mostly direct and consumer. Um, and they have the profit to now allocate to advertising to to scale their current efforts but that doesn't mean that they're not that doesn't mean that they're neglecting seo seo is a huge component of that as well same as organic you know um generally speaking i find i don't know if this i think you might find this insightful but the worst kind of clients for an advertisers are the ones that don't understand marketing and just want to throw it into ads like that that's a clear indicator to me that you don't understand marketing and they're usually the worst clients because they're just like, oh, I could generate all my traffic just through advertising. And um, that's that's not the case. Like you cannot neglect absolutely everything. You cannot put your eggs all in one basket. That's a bad business move, period. Um, so like I said, it's something to test. It's a scaling tool. I don't want to say it won't completely work for you, but if you have the funds uh, to allocate, test. I would say look at what your competitors are doing and just try and one-up them. If that means they're going all in on organic, well, then you should probably try and go all in organic and assess and measure which organic um, type of content is performing better for them over the other ones and fill in those gaps. Mm -hmm. But now I'm thinking about people who are thinking about investing in it and sometimes hiring someone for this can be expensive. Um, so I'm wondering, is running digital ads something that anyone can learn for their businesses? Yeah, I, I would recommend it instead of if like if you have a budget of under 5K uh, per month that you're spending, I'd recommend that you learn on your own. And it's really easy to learn. There's a ton of great courses out there. There's free content from Google. Like if you're spe specifically talking Facebook ads, um, there's a ton of really great content on YouTube available, free content. And hey, if you or your time is really precious, hire a consultant. Hire someone like me. It doesn't necessarily have to be me. There's other consultants as well that you might trust. But that's generally the case. You either have time or you have money. You know, pick which one. If you want to buy, if you don't have that much time, then you want to hire a consultant. If you have the time, then you want to hire, you want to go through a course and you want to research this on YouTube and um, launch this on your own. Because as you scale and you look for more proficient media buyers, um, now you at least know how to properly manage them because you understand mm -hmm. what you're looking at and you're not being duped. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you're doing consulting um, and I'm sure that you've heard the same thing again and again, meaning that people who have been telling you, I've been running ads, but they don't work. Um, so I'd like to know what are the most common mistakes solopreneurs who are running ads on their own make? <laughs> 
There's so many. Um, but I'll give you I'll give you a synopsis of the top three. I would say number one is uh, they're running ads, but they're not measuring anything. So the biggest mistake that you could possibly do when you're running ads is not having accurate conversion tracking. So you're kind of just advertising in the dark and spending money. It's like picture yourself just literally throwing money in a dark room and just letting it land anywhere and just all of your money kaput, gone to the darkness. So at least um, advertisers, we can't, I mean, the advertisers that do promise X amount of results, I would take with a grain of salt if they haven't audited your account fully. And they just say like, oh, I can 3X this. And they have they don't see like the overall context of, in the overall landscape. I would be really wary of that because I can never promise results. Um, but what I can do is I could promise meaningful results in which we can optimize as we go. People think like, oh, I throw money at the machine is going to throw me $5 back. You know, that's a 5X return. $1 in, $5 back, right? But that's not always the case. What we can get immediately, we'll immediately generate results. Um, will they be profitable to you? I don't know. They might be. They might not be. It's the nature of testing. So we have to analyze these results and we have to optimize accordingly. Like audiences that we test might not do so well. So then we have to go back to the drawing board. But hey, we have the data now that says that these audiences, these creatives did not perform well. So the biggest mistake is that they kind of play the game and they throw money at the machine, but they, they're not analyzing what is working, what's not working. They're not measuring their results accordingly. They don't get it. Um, and I can understand that. It can be overwhelming and a little confusing as well. But that's, I would say, the biggest mistake. Another mistake is not testing enough. Like they're just saying, oh, this is not working. Okay. You know, if I were to take over, I would say the same thing is not working. So let's test other things. Let's test new keywords. Let's test new ads. We have to, you know, like a lot of uh, being a, a lot of uh, a big component of being a marketer is just constantly being very creative in your testing, very, very creative in your testing and all for overall your messaging. Um, so you know, maybe you have to test more carousel and video ads. Maybe you have to test the overall messaging. Maybe the messaging isn't hitting properly. Maybe you need to run more surveys to your ideal audience and, and just understand their pain points on a deeper level so that you can have more ideas on how to speak to them through creative advertising, um, through your overall copy, even on your landing page. And then that that leads to the, the last result is like, they're, oh, my ads aren't working. Well, your website doesn't work. So what do you expect? You know, like your landing page doesn't convert. It has a very low conversion rate. It's converting at less than 5%, or sorry, less than 0.5%. 5% depending on the niche is actually really great. Like in e-commerce, anything over 2% is like, oh my God, that's amazing. Um, so, you know, if your landing page isn't converting, well, it's not the ads. I'm sorry. It's, it's your landing page, you know? So that's usually the biggest mistakes that I see. Okay. Well, you know, um, Earlier, you were talking about uh, that people can find courses online, you know, about uh, paid ads uh, on YouTube and so forth. And, um, you know, I'm pretty sure you go through the same thing, meaning that sometimes you check out, you know, what other people in your own field are sharing, you know, um, like the type of courses they are, they are sharing. And for me, I call it my uh, what the fuck moment, meaning that I'm watching those videos of people who are teaching crap. And honestly, it, it happens a lot, you know, like free content, you can see a lot of crappy content. Um, how can someone actually identify a course that can really teach them how to create paid ads? <laughs> 
it's really tough, right? Because like, like I mentioned before, you either have money or you have time, right? So if you have, if you don't have the money and you have the time, well, the name of the game is like, you have to kiss a lot of frogs. I've spent a lot of money on courses. It's just, you know, it's the name of the game. Unfortunately, um, you don't know what you don't know. So if I was completely new to Facebook ads, I wouldn't know like, hey, this is complete, you know, garbage. This is complete trash. I, I wouldn't know that because I don't know. Now, if I hired a consultant or maybe um, worked with someone to give me to point me in the right direction, I would save that time. So, you know, that's what I do a lot because I don't have the time. I have more resources, though. So it's like you have to kind of have to pick and choose your battles. I would say, you know, you want to go with people that uh, I'll be the first one to tell you that this industry is well, it can be a little scammy sometimes. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> like I know my industry pretty well. And you want to go with people who have a reputable background, like John Loomer is really great with Facebook ads. Like you just want to see the overall impact, like uh just looking like looking them up, you YouTubing them, and and then looking at their website, and then seeing their overall um, reviews. Uh, there's someone that I look at his free content. I haven't purchased any of his courses, but Chase Campbell. I follow him a lot on uh, uh, Clubhouse. He's he's pretty cool. He actually like interacted with some of my content the other day. He seems pretty cool. You know, like um, there's a lot of advertisers doing the same thing with the same courses. They just have their own different take on it. I think you have to go with whoever you trust and whoever you feel like. I, I would sift through their free content. And if their free content is really valuable, well, then chances are that their overall course is really valuable. Look through the reviews, you know, make informed decisions. Um, yeah, I mean, like if someone is, you know, has a Ferrari in the backgrounds, I would be a little hesitant with like taking that seriously. So uh, I, I, I don't know if that was great advice, but it's the only advice that I can muster. <laughs> you know, like the one thing I want to add to that is that sometimes uh, you see reviews, but people pay for those reviews as well, you know, so it's, it's yeah. difficult. Like, I, I like looking at video reviews. I feel like video, like if video reviews, that's why I'm so adamant with my own clients, like video reviews. Because um, if the video review feels like it's a script, then that's just, mm, like, you know, right off the bat. But if you're getting like a general consensus and like everyone has more or less like a positive vibe about that person, then they're probably not a scam. Eventually, you have to take a risk. Like buying a course nowadays is a risk, but hey, like $500 versus like a college course, which I remember for me was like, what, almost 3000 So come on. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I want to say, though, is that um, for me, when I see reviews, if I don't see a first name and a, a last name, I'm out of there. When I just see like a generic picture of someone who say, oh, like this course changed my life, you know, this type of sentences. <laughs> um, yeah, like it, it sounds scammy. So I would advise also people to making sure that they're actually referring to people who are real and you can check it out, actually. You know, it, it gets easier nowadays with social media. I completely agree because something that I do with my own testimonials is I'll leave a link to their LinkedIn. Like, hey, this is a real person. You can check them out. Exactly. LinkedIn is actually great for that. I'm advising a lot of people to use their LinkedIn to ask people to leave reviews on LinkedIn, you know? Yeah. If you look me up on LinkedIn, I got really great. Like that's one thing that I'm really adamant about, you know, 
I'll in the past, like starting off, I've done pro bono work just for case studies and just for LinkedIn reviews and or video review. Oh, yes, definitely. That's a great way to brand yourself. And also when you're leaving a job, always ask your past colleagues to leave reviews on your LinkedIn account because everybody check LinkedIn profiles when they're considering to hire someone. Yeah, you were talking about B2B before. If you're an illustrator and, and or say if you're a designer or some kind of creative, right? I would go very heavy just as I am on LinkedIn and giving your own spin on LinkedIn organically. Um, advertising on LinkedIn is really expensive. Like cost per clicks are like between six and nine dollars on average. I don't recommend advertising. Ooh. Yeah, I don't recommend. Well, it's because it's very directed. Like you can, you know, on Facebook, anyone can claim that they're Superman. Whereas LinkedIn, like chances are you probably are Superman because people don't lie, you know, um, if you see Clark Kent's uh, LinkedIn profile. Uh, but yeah, with LinkedIn, you're able, first off, the reach is really great compared to platforms like Instagram. And I mean, Facebook is basically organic reach is dead there, but LinkedIn reach is really great. And like, you can you connect with really great people on LinkedIn and, and people with pretty great um, titles end up viewing your stuff if your content is interesting. And then also Clubhouse. I mean, like that's how we've connected. I think that's a pretty big one nowadays. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I love the reach on LinkedIn personally. And I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. But every time I use it, I see the result right away. Um, and yes, I mean, Clubhouse for networking, it's amazing. Uh, I don't think that people should use it too much to trying to sell products. Um, I feel like that app is more about authenticity. And uh, and yes, I mean, for networking, is it's really amazing. I would advise anyone to get on it. If you don't, if you don't have a link, try to get one. I have like five. Yeah, I think I have four. So if you want a link, don't hesitate to DM me. <laughs> I have four. I'm doing nothing with those links. <laughs> yeah, same here. I have five invites. Happy to spread the love. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, moving on, I want to talk about something else. Lately, there's been a lot of debate around users' privacy. And uh, I wanted to know how do you see it affecting your work in the future? And maybe it already started affecting it, actually. It has mainly in face on the Facebook realm, for sure. I think with the new iOS update, everyone's going to opt out naturally out of advertising. Me personally, I'm obviously biased, but I'm a marketer and I would want advertising that's more um, contextual to my actual interests. I think we're going to get really affected um, in terms of targeting, you know, like if you're targeting really broad, um, very broadly, those those type of uh, targeting, uh, interest-based targeting, they're not going to be as uh, targeted. It's not going to be as effective. That's the biggest thing moving forward. Um, it just is what it is. It's just something that we have to adapt to. So the effectiveness of advertising specifically on Facebook is not going to be as great. Uh, but what we have to do is really take a step back and look at the overall big picture and see how it's actually impacting, say, revenue. Or if you're a lead generation company focusing mainly on leads, how it actually affects leads. Um, we'll be advertising a little bit more in the dark. And it's just what, you know, it's just the name of the game. It's, it's something else that happens in the industry. Like, honestly, there, every year there's some new update. So mm -hmm. I'm used to it at this point. I don't think, you know, it just is what it is. Luckily, a lot of people aren't, uh, not everyone is an, an Apple user. There's a lot of Android users too. So it's not going to affect, it's not going to completely 
wipe out everyone. Um, it's just going to make our overall like more broader base interest targeting not as directed. Um, but there's a stronger push now to really capitalize on first party da- data, which is like owning our own email list. So with, with initiative with my clients right now is um, one, taking a step back and looking at revenue and kind of tying that overall big picture month over month with how much we're spending on advertising, obviously looking at data points like click through rate and, um, you know, conversion data data is not going to be as accurate now, but at least trying to tie in those bigger pick, tie that into each other, bigger picture. And then also generating like more campaigns for top of funnel initiatives, specifically for generating emails. And one thing that I'm working to upsell and within my own as a service is like email marketing. Um, so with Facebook, we're, we'll be working Facebook and Instagram advertising specifically working to generate and collect more emails in a very, very creative ways. Um, sometimes we're testing a couple of things out, white paper downloads, but then also a lot of interactive quizzes, um, a couple of other things and owning that data and then working that list through email or working to sell them and working to build that relationship by email. Do you think that everybody should have a, an email list? Oh, yeah. But that, that I feel like that goes without saying, right? Like, I think email is one of the oldest, it's crazy to say, one of the oldest forms of marketing and it should never be neglected. Like there's, I feel like everything goes back to your email list. Um, a lot of people are just like, oh, you know, no one opens emails anymore. Probably because you have crappy content and you need to clean up your email list, you know, and um, or you're spamming, you know, so I don't blame them. And it also depends on like how you collected that email too. Um, uh, I think a lot of people are talking about text message, like SMS marketing and messenger has been around for some time as well. I think all of them need to be integrated in, in the same kind of strategy, uh, which is just collecting your lists, uh, creating more first party data. I think it's a great way also to create a a genuine relationship with your audience. So I also believe in it. And honestly, lately, everybody has been saying, you know, especially with the pandemic, emails are crowded and so forth. But again, like you just said, it depends on the quality of your, your, your content, you know, what you share. Because for me, I haven't been affected. Like people still open my emails. Um, But yeah, it depends. It depends on many things, but I do agree with you. It's very important, but I know it's a lot of work and that's why so many people are hesitant to do it. It is a lot of work. It is a lot of work to develop like some kind of content marketing plan with email and also like segmenting out um, your overall lists. Like it can be very difficult and it's time intensive, but it pays off in the long run. It's just like content, uh, overall. And, you know, like I think, uh, what is like the 80-20 rule that you use with content and it also applies to email is um, 80% of it is content to build relationships and then 20% of it is sales, you, you know, so you're not overwhelming them um, with, you know, direct to sale or, or ever getting too spammy. And then another thing that people don't do enough is like cleaning their actual email list. I feel like they don't clean them often. So, you know, you get dinged and eventually get put into the spam folder and it's because you're not doing a job like maintaining your email list. Thank you for those tips. (laughs) You're welcome. Anyway, we are moving toward the end of this interview. And I always like to end my interview with the same question. Would you share your most important tips for solopreneurs growing their businesses? Overall, when starting off, my biggest advice to you is to get help. You know, like if you need help, get help. 
Um, the biggest advice to solopreneurs is to not be a solopreneur. Try your best to get an assistant or at least like a VA. You know, I technically I am a solopreneur because I don't have anyone on payroll per se. Everyone's a contractor that I work with. Um, but I work to build outside of myself. And that would be my advice to you is to start thinking as a business owner. Start uh, start delegating as much as you possibly can. You know, the difference between, like I said before, a freelancer and a business owner, if you're sleeping and work's not being done, chances are you're probably a freelancer. So work to scale. Don't work in the business, work on the business. That's my advice. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cynthia, thank you so much for taking the time to answer my questions. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. Of course. And before leaving, would you tell my audience where they could find you? Of course, you can look me up um, on LinkedIn at Cynthia Sandoval, just my name. Uh, my website is CynthiasMarketing.com. You can also look me up on YouTube. I think it's like YouTube.com slash Cynthia Sandoval. And also on social, uh, specifically Instagram, pretty active there, a little bit on Twitter, is at the Sin Sandoval, at the Sin Sandoval. And I would love to connect with you all. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you rate this podcast a five star. It will help me keep this going. Talk to you soon.